I came from nothing. I had to go get it. I had to Hey guys, it's your girl Bella, and I am back with my boy Josh Hicks on the podcast. We're giving you a part two. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing good. Everything's a, everything's great when you can hop on a podcast with you. So we're all good. Uh, we're starting it off right again, just just like last time. I love it. This is why I keep bringing you back on. <laughs> um, today, uh, we're going to be talking about, you know, we're going to recap some All-Star Weekend fun. It's very different All-Star, but, you know, everything, it's, it's unprecedented times these days. So, you know, it makes sense. So we're going to be doing that, giving our boy Zach Levine a grade on his first time all-star performance. Uh, we will also be discussing the Bulls second half of the season, how they, you know, they're going to be starting back up tomorrow and how they need to be coming back stronger. And then of course we got to touch on the trade rumors, you know, as the deadline comes closer. So Josh, let's start off with all-star weekend. What were your overall thoughts before we go into Zach Levine? Um, for this to be a really quick turnaround of, of preparing and trying to plan everything together for All-Star Weekend, even though I was one of the original uh, people that pretty much came out and said this shouldn't be an All-Star Weekend, you know, with COVID taking place and especially the location of it where there's no actual laws or restrictions or mandates per se that can control people and what they do within the, within the environments that they're in. I think overall the NBA did a pretty good job. I don't think they had any positive or negative tests per se, although we had a couple players that, you know, just didn't participate because of the fact that they were taking COVID protocols and they didn't want to, you know, they wanted to contain that situation before it got out of hand. But aside from that, I think overall the NBA did a pretty good job. You got to give them credit where it's due and how they pulled this thing off in such a small amount of time. I mean, I agree completely, and I understand why they wanted to make sure that All-Star still happens. Um, it, No matter what side you were on, on in the argument this year, I, you can't really blame anyone. So I think it's a personal choice that you make. If you're comfortable, you go do it. If you're not, you don't, and that that's that. Because All-Star is that weekend that I think is very important for the NBA. Um, it's, it's the biggest, like, branding event that brings in all different types of cultures, like, being that I covered All-Star last weekend, I was there with so many different reporters from different countries, you know, so it's it's basically like a, a place where everyone comes together, you watch the NBA's like most talented players come together and just have fun. And it's, it's purely entertainment, but at the same time, it's, it's more than that. So I, I think All-Star was important to have. And uh, yeah, but Altogether, I think I was really excited just watching Zach Levine finally make his um, his All Star debut officially. It was it was really important, as we said, branding standpoint for All Star. You know, I know you have something to say about how important it is to Zach Levine's personal, like you know, individual branding standpoint. So go ahead and tell me about what you think. Yeah, Zach, this was a huge uh, step for Zach Levine and the Bulls franchise moving forward because the Bulls haven't had an all-star since Jimmy Butler. They, and since before that, it was Derrick Rose. Those were the two main prominent all-stars that they had on those rosters. And you know how both of them ended up. They ended up leaving the city. Yeah. Zach Levine is now an all-star, well-deserved, having a, a career year in all categories. And for him to be at the, just hit, just really hitting the prime of his of his time in the NBA and excelling the way that he is for, for him personally, this is big from an endorsement perspective. This is big from a branding perspective. This is big from a growth perspective because now he's about to be able to expand his portfolio 
in ways that, quite frankly, if you didn't, if you weren't an all-star and didn't play in a big city market, you won't have those type of exposures. The fact that he's able to do this in Chicago, his brand is about to excel. I, I believe um, during All-Star Weekend, they just dropped the Levine Airlines, which was one of his first shoes that he utilized when he first came into the league and did during dunk contests. Um, now I know that's going to be an expansion for him. I know he's going to get other endorsement deals along the way now because of the fact that his solidification and status in the league is pretty much now solidified and he's going to get the respect that he deserves especially playing for a Bulls franchise that really hasn't had a star like that in a very long time that you can actually keep long term so for Zach Levine this is going to just take his uh his stardom to another level I mean he's even having stalkers <laughs> come into his house with his fiance there talking about we talking about I just want to have a conversation with Zach Levine flying from out of state I mean that's going to expand too so I think as, the, as he continues to grow and improve, this is a good first step for him to get to the stardom and the, to, to get to that type of stardom level that he's going to eventually excel to um, as he continues to improve in his league. But it's great for the Bulls just because now you have potentially sped up your process and getting top-tier talent to your city. And what, I, what do you mean by that? Obviously, the Bulls are rebuilding. They've been pretty much rebuilding since Michael Jordan, since Michael Jordan uh, retired, right? So... The Bulls don't know what it's like to actually have a team that they can actually stick with over time for a long period of time. And part of it is because they have a, they have a hard time, especially in free agency, attracting top-tier talent to actually stay in the city long-term. In order to do that, you got to have, you got to show proof that you have a great coaching staff and a great front office. And you got to also show that you have players that are developed enough to where superstars believe they're willing to be, that they're willing to be playing with, to play with them. Zach Levine is one of those foundational pieces that he's up for. He's up for a Mac, um, you know, a, a contract extension after this year. He has one more left on his deal, and if the Bulls were, were to pursue that and get that done, now you had you solidify Zach Levine's position in Chicago long term. Superstars are going to look at, at the coaching situation that's going on with Billy Donovan, who is a well-respected coach in the league. They're going to look at Arturis Karnesevich and Mark Eversley, respected uh, front office managed representatives across the league as well. They're going to look at that situation, see the culture that's being developed, seeing what the Bulls are doing. And even though this year we don't expect the Bulls really to make the playoffs, they're going to see some type of growth. They're going to see some type of culture change. They're going to see some type of potential growth in player development per se that can attract them along with the fact that you have a Zach Levine that can be there long-term. If anything, this just helps the Bulls case to where you have superstars that may be in free agency, whether it's it's upcoming off season or even that they or may even want to have a trade like a DeMar DeRozan or a LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, players that are on the market that are need that, you know, may want to move out of their cities to go somewhere else in a big city market where they can they really feel like they can thrive in. And Chicago can be one of those cities. And they rightfully so, Chicago deserves to be one of those cities because we're a big city that is known for superstar talent. We've had the GOAT here <laughs> for literally his whole entire career before he um, went to the Wizards. So because of that, all of this All-Star Weekend meant more than just Zach Levine playing an entertainment game on TNT. And, and not to mention the additional bonus check that would go into his salary, right? It's a matter of it's a matter of the fact that now the brand expo is being exposed to levels that, quite frankly, not just Zach Levine, but even the Bulls haven't had in a very long time. And with those changes taking place, you may see it, but you potentially, I'm not saying it will happen, but you may potentially see a different Bulls roster going into next year that potentially could have top-tier talent. And it's all because of what the Bulls are doing so far this year, as well as the fact of Zach Levine blossoming into the star that we know he can be. Of course, uh, like amen to everything you just said. 
Zach Levine, like this whole weekend was more than just, oh, all-star. Yeah, like he deserved it. There is still naysayers out there saying Zach Levine shouldn't have been an all-star, but it's more than just him, you know, trying to make this campaign. It's about what he's done for the team this past season. He has been putting up the career highs, as we've said before. Even Arturis Karnasovas, he he mentioned literally last December he was he was talking about uh, Zach Levine like before I don't even remember before the season he's just mentioning like yes he's a great player but you know we got to get that that going for the entire team you know and then this first presser he had uh, first time the whole season when he's speaking to to media Karnasovas mentioned yes Zach Levine you know he's he's great and he's been that impact for the team so this shows that even the front office is looking at Zach Levine now as you know as their franchise player bringing that that impact to the court and changing the the players around him because he really has been if you if you look at the Bulls there's really no one else to be talking about right now I mean of course there's Thad Young a veteran who's had a great season but you know he's also in the talks of We'll, we'll get into that later with, with trades and, and what could possibly happen. So when you have these guys that are constantly injured, and I'm talking about like Lowry Markinen, Otto Porter Jr., you know, that doesn't help the Bulls. It doesn't do anything for the Bulls. And I know it's not in their, in their control. You know, you get injured. It's not, no one wants to get injured, but the Bulls front court has been plagued by injury by injury so it's like what do you do Zach Levine is the player that has been able to make that impact and he's getting that recognition finally so he deserved to be at all-star you know and if we if we go into his performance at all-star it was pretty interesting he put up 13 points on five of 10 shooting from the field he he did his thing I think it was a good performance for his first you know his debut but I really wished he was in the slam dunk contest because I must say that was very underwhelming without him. I wasn't very happy about it. And don't get me wrong. These three guys also the first time that it was only three guys participating in, in the dunk contest. Um, they did fine. Cassius Stanley, I think is probably the most, uh, you know, talented of the dunkers, but Anthony Simon showed the most creativity with his, you know, attempt to kiss the rim, you know, blowing a kiss to the rim. It was nice, but it lacked aggression. It lacked flair. I wanted to see more flavor to those dunks. I wanted to see him when he grabbed that ball from up high and dunk it in. I want to see a jam. I want to see some aggressive, like aggression, you know, some flair to that. That's why it's called a slam dunk contest, not just a dunk contest. So it it was lacking the slam part of it, I think. So if, if Zach Levine was in it, he would have provided a major slam to it. You know, it takes me back to thinking like, well, he won back to back. And then I missed that, that battle between him and Aaron Gordon. Like that is probably arguably like my favorite moment of, of the slam dunk contests. And, you know, Levine mentioned, I'm past that. I'm not trying to do the slam dunk contest. So he was in the three point contest. And you know, don't get me started on that. Like I was very, very, very happy to see the king of, of threes win it. Steph Curry, that's that's the boy. But I think Zach Levine should have done better, made it pat, you know, he didn't make it past the first round with his 22 points, just wasn't enough. And surprisingly, he did better last time he was in it with 23 points. He was five for five on the money, money shots, like the money ball shots. But this time he was only three for five. 
So I think he should have done better considering his career high 43.5% shooting from beyond the arc this season, but he didn't. So it is what it is. It would have been hella cool considering he would have been the first NBA player to win both the slam dunk contest and the three-point contest, but there's always next time for, for your boy, Zach. So how, what, what were your, your thoughts on the whole, on the whole thing? Um, I agree. Zach Levine definitely should have been in the slam dunk contest. He definitely brought a little bit more flavor in your ear, as Craig Mack would say. Um, but at the same time, you know, three-point shootout, you have to actually understand how Zach shoots his threes. Zach Levine's not a, just a regular spot-up three-point shooter, although he can be. He's not He's not his skill set. He's, he's a breaker man down, ISO one-on-one, or come off the ball screen and let that thing fly. So and free for and that's actually very hard to do in today's game and for him to do it at a rate of 43%, which is the upper tiers of someone like a Stephen Curry and, and if he if he was playing right now, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, things and those type of players, you know, those are the skill sets that only very few people can do. And Zach Levine is someone that can do it on the move. And he can do it from spot up, but that's not the ultimate skill set that really excels his game. That's him doing those, doing those type of scoring. Um, scoring vets or scoring streaks on the move. So I'm not surprised he did as, as good or bad, however you view it, in the three-point shootout because that's not truly him. He's not the spot of three-point shooter. He's a breaking man down. I'll pull from anywhere. No, you're, you're, you're totally right. It's just seeing him in the three-point contest, wanting him to do better, getting, you know, we're all about, all of us NBA people are all about these, you know, breaking records and just seeing him, be like, oh, the first player to win the slam dunk and the three-point contest, even though we know low-key, you know, if Steph Curry's in that contest, there's probably no chance for you. So <laughs> it is what it is. But let's move on to our next point for, for today. Uh, the Bulls' second half of the season, we're st- it's, it's starting back up tomorrow. How do you feel the Bulls need to perform for the rest of the season considering you know the strength of their schedule it's it's going to be really difficult um so the chances are looking tough uh but the bulls have really exceeded our expectations everyone's expectations uh this season considering that you know it was a rebuilding like you mentioned earlier the bulls are constantly stuck in the rebuilding phase so this season is the closest season to excitement that the Bulls have had in a long time. The Bulls have given a reason, fans a reason to start, you know, watching games again with excitement and not want to just pass by another channel and, and watch something else for the night. So what do you, if you're the Bulls, what do you do for the rest of the season to finish strong and on this positive note that the Bulls have been on mainly thanks to Zach Levine? Well, according to basketball reference and this is coming from Rob Schaefer, who's a very, you know, very good source of mine from NBC Sports Chicago, who covers the Bulls. He tweeted that, according to basketball reference, they project the Bulls to go 17 and 20 in the second half of the season. They should be finishing the season 33 and 38, which at this point is most likely the 11th seed in the Eastern Conference. So it's nothing. So, and considering that, the, you know, they do have one of the second tough, one of the toughest second half schedules in the league. I'm not surprised that the people predict that the Bulls aren't going to make the playoffs. I mean, even beginning the season, we predicted that the Bulls, if they even had a chance, it would be in the play-in tournament, which is the ninth or tenth seed that they have to play in just to even see if they can even get into the tur- get into the tournament. So I'm not surprised by that. 
But to your point, Bella, you mentioned that the Bulls have already exceeded expectations in a way. Yeah, they pretty much have because basketball is fun to watch. Yeah, they, you can actually watch the Bulls and not be like, oh my God, I got to throw up. You can actually watch them and yes. it's actually entertaining. You know what, I'm, you know what I mean? And, and part of it is because of this new regime and this new culture that's being established in Chicago. Players are developing. Yes, there's still growing pains that, you know, that the Bulls have to get through. Especially when you talk about when you have big leads and you can't let, and you can't let them go away in the fourth quarter. Or you're talking about playing consistent 48 minutes of basketball, no matter who your opponent is, because you could play extremely well and still lose on national television or against the best of the best. When you play against average teams or below average teams, you want to stoop down to their level and keep games close when, quite frankly, you should be blowing these teams out. You know, th those type of comp little things that play a huge role in your win and loss column are all growing pains that the Bulls have to work on during the second half of the season. And that, that, and that goes for not just the coaches, but the players as well. But we have the right coaching staff and the right front office in place to help push the Bulls in the right direction. And Billy Donovan has been ex superb at that, especially when you talk about the press conferences. He's been very vocal and adamant about how he's not satisfied. We still got a 16 and 18 losing record. Bull, we, we, even though the Bulls are young, we have to be better. We have to, we have to play better. We have to be more consistent. He's been very vocal about how he is trying to nip these bad habits of mediocrity and insanity that we've had for such a long time, especially under the previous regime of Gar Foreman and John Paxson. Now, you're, now he, he said, we're trying to nip that in the bud. This is a new generation. It's the new start. This is the new high standard that I'm bringing to this Bulls franchise, which is what Arturus Kornicevic wanted and which is what the Bulls needed. And those two are merging together to where now it's becoming a beautiful marriage and the culture of this marriage is being so solidified that it can really, like we mentioned before, teams are starting to pay attention. Athletes are starting to speak out about how Patrick Williams is starting to become, is going to be a budding star. Kobe White got game. Zach Levine's an all-star now. These are Billy Donovan's a well-respected coach that, that former players as well as superstars in the league have been adamant in saying, I don't mind playing for this guy. So therefore, you have this culture that's being built and that's something that the Bulls haven't had in such a long time that now we're not even looking at mediocrity. We're not looking at insanity. We're working, we're looking at culture and development change and progression and a high standard that quite frankly, that the Bulls have lacked for so long. And it's such a refreshing thing to watch and see. It really is. But as you're saying, you're building that brand. You're seeing these, these rising stars from the Bulls. It's, you're developing them. But the problem is, can you keep them? Which is something that the Bulls haven't been good at in the past and something that is pivotal as we approach the trade deadline. So let's just go ahead and move into that, um, that conversation because there's rumors going around. What are we doing? Where's Thad Young going? Where's Otto Porter Jr. going? I mean, he hasn't really been special for the Bulls because of his constant injuries with his back. And, you know, does that even make him appealing to people um, during this, this trade time? And Lonzo Ball, Bulls have been making a, you know, a case for him. So we'll see about that. Andre Drummond, like, what do you do if you're the Bulls? And then also you have to keep these, these young players. There was something interesting, you know, back when Max Struess had his amazing game for the Miami Heat and he put his name and DePaul's name on the map for a lot of people that were watching 
him in the NBA and they're like, what, like, who is this guy? Where, where the hell did he come from? He's putting up all this stuff. And then us DePaul people are going like, yeah, that's our boy, Max. So you finally get to know who he is and what he's all about. But so that instantly, when I was watching that game, I'm thinking there goes another young town that the Bulls really just let go by them. You know, you gave him to Miami. And is that a mistake on the Bulls half? Or is that just because the Miami culture brought that out of Max where he wouldn't have gotten that with the Bulls? You get what I mean? So it's just these things during this time, obviously with trades, like you got to be smart about the decisions you're going to make and what players you're going to keep, what players you're going to bring. And even going forward after this season's over, like what, what do you do if you're the Bulls? Well, it's, it's a combination. It's a lot of combination of things that you have to unpack, right? Previous regimes, um, especially under Gar Foreman and John Paxson, they knew how to scout talent, but they didn't know how to develop talent, which is why you had the Bulls and these young players leave when they left. Another prime example that people really, really kind of forgot in Chicago is Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie was a bull on more than one occasion, and the Bulls let him go on more than one occasion, and he ended up thriving in the Brooklyn Nets to the point where now he's playing with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and now James Harden, even though he's hurt, unfortunately. Um, he's still on that roster, getting paid, and, play, and was playing well for them last year, even when Kevin Durant was there. But that like Kyrie wasn't there. Right. And that's but that's going with the whole thing with okay, did the Bulls make the mistake or did Max Struess find is it like would he have even done that if he was still with the Bulls? You get what I mean? Is it because the Miami Heat culture brought that out of him? So is it maybe that culture, like you're saying now, Billy Donovan is creating a better culture. It's a culture of development. It, there's more, there's more going on between everyone. You're bringing that talent. There's it's nothing compared to last you're with Jim Boylan. You don't even want to bring, bring the comparison in. So if you're, if you're the bulls, like where, is it your problem that these players aren't doing their best when they're with you? Or is it just, you get what I mean? Or yeah. is it the players just finding better luck at other teams? Or is it a combination of both? I think Max Struess, obviously he's an amazing player, but maybe the, 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 culture around him and the and the vibe around him with these players wouldn't have meshed as well as he does with someone vocal and aggressive like Jimmy Butler who's noticing the time and effort Max is putting in even when eyes aren't on him you get what I mean and giving him that confidence to go out there and do his thing and you know how it is Tyler Hero like these guys are more they have a flair to them that the Bulls only really have in Zach Levine you get what I mean yeah for sure it's tough to say, especially when you're talking about the Bulls, just because the Bulls culture was so toxic um, previous, prior to our, the new regime we got now, that when you bring players there, you don't expect them to thrive unless you're a superstar, which is what Derrick Rose did, which is what Jimmy Butler did. And you have to remember, too, it's not like they were willing to leave either. They didn't want to leave. Bulls traded them. So we have to... Butler at one point, well, Jimmy Butler was ready. He was like, I'm, I'm sort of... He was over it. He, he was. He, he was over it. That's, and they won't say that publicly. But, you know, yeah, you could tell they were over it. But at the same time, you know, I think Jimmy Butler was willing to stick it out because he loved the city for, for so much that he would have been willing to stick out at least the duration of that contract, um, which was only, I think, another year or two. So 
I think they, I think the Bulls could have worked that out, but the Bulls didn't. It was reported the Bulls didn't want to pay him. They got rid of him, right? But it doesn't stop stop the fact that the previous regime, when they had talent, they always knew how to get rid of it. They didn't always want to keep it. You're in a new regime now, where yeah, culture plays a huge role in things. Player development plays a huge role in the things. That's what the Bulls currently have right now. So they ha- they're trying to build what the Miamis have done, what the San Antonio Spurs have done in creating culture and developing talent. And because of that, yeah, new direction is coming. But when you talk about the trade deadline, I doubt the Bulls are going to trade for anything, um, trade anyone, unless for sure they know they can get top-tier draft picks or top-tier young talent that can help aid the Bulls in this rebuild process because you do need quality veterans to help speed up the process to help and help aid these young stars or these young players growth and development. But at the same time, you know, if they, if they provide such a high value that contending teams will give them pretty much whatever they ask and desire for, and they could be beneficial towards the future. I can't see the bulls ignoring the calls. I mean, the reports, the, the recent reports that I've read upon was the fact that the Bulls pretty much told told players that Young's off the market. Otto Porter, yeah, we'll consider it because of the fact he doesn't have expiring and have he does have an expiring contract. Andy is hurt. There's no timetable when he's gonna come back to play for the Bulls. So yeah, we can unload that contract. We'll consider that too. But even then, I doubt the Bulls would do it. And the only reason why is because the Bulls have made it known from the beginning. This is a trial year. They want to see how much talent they have and who can stay and who can go. You can sort of determine that within the first half of the season, but the second half, because of the schedule change and the fact that the Bulls are making progression and that Zach Levine is an all-star now, you have to reevaluate. You need more time to evaluate what you really have. And the Bulls have made it clear that this is the year that they're going to do that before they can, before they have more cap space next offseason, especially since Otto Porter's contract is going to be off the books. Felicio's contract, ridiculous contract, is going to be off the books. So they'll have more money to work with where they can truly make the changes they want to see. But they need more time to fully see who stays and who goes because Larry Markin is up for a contract extension or another contract. Right now, he's kind of iffy because he has been playing. How can you develop something? How can you figure out what you want out of a player if he needs to stay or go if he hasn't even performed on the court? You know, you, you have these type of Wendell Carter Jr. is another prime example as well. That's why Andre Drummond keeps being brought up because the Bulls need big men depth. They need front court depth, like you mentioned before. They can't stay healthy. So if they can't stay healthy, how can you evaluate talent to move forward with if you can't even evaluate the talent? So the Bull, they just need more time. They're going to do their due diligence. They probably are reaching out to make calls. They probably are just trying to intrigue and see, okay, if we was to put a package together, what would it be for this guy? Who would you want from our team that to help to make this to make these type of deals work? They may be fielding the calls and even making some calls, especially for someone like Lonzo Ball, who have been reportedly something that the Bulls are really intrigued on. So I won't be surprised if that's the case. I mean, even prior to the NBA draft, the Bulls were making calls about Kemba Walker reportedly. So they know how to do their due diligence. But when it comes to executing on the due diligence to really make the changes that they want to see, that's where they re- they're very strategic at. And within that strategic plan, I, I don't believe that they're going to utilize it to bring in new players when, quite frankly, they still need time to figure out what they already have. 
hundred percent, Josh. So if you're, do you think the Lonzo ball trade would be a good idea? What do you see being the benefits and drawbacks of, of that? Lonzo ball trade. If you can keep Kobe white is good because Kobe white isn't a traditional point guard. We pretty much know that, you know, what you're seeing right now from Kobe, Kobe, Kobe white from a point guard perspective, that's what you're going to get a scoring point guard that can, you know, that can pass the ball and facilitate has a hard time actually running an effective offense, exactly. especially especially when you talk about when plays break down and you just got to play regular basketball. He's, that's not his flow. He's more, he's a he's a he's a scoring first guard. So when you get when he gets the ball, he looks for his own, which is a great skill set to have, especially coming off the bench. It is, but when you have someone who can do things like that, like Zach Levine could play shooting guard he could play a point guard position like he could do those things so when you have someone like Zoe who would bring in a great perimeter defense and just you know he's a true pass first guard as we've mentioned before on the pod how much more beneficial would that be than having Kobe White because we you know Kobe White we've seen how he's performed this season and I haven't really been very impressed with his you know his inconsistency yes he's talented yes he can bring a lot to the table but I'm not really seeing enough this season from him. Yeah, Lonzo Ball would be an upgrade mm-hmm. in that point guard position. When you talk, especially when you talk about pairing him with Zach Levine, yep, would be a great, it would be a great point guard uh, upgrade for his passing ability. He's also improving in his shooting. He's shooting almost forty percent from three this year, so he's including he's improving on his shooting percentages. <clears throat> has great core vision. He's been talked defense. about enough. People were always so ready to talk about him being a bust. But now that he's improving, and I think that Lonzo Ball is not a bust. It's because of the the hype that surrounded him because of Lavar and everything coming from Chino to the Bruins to the Lakers. He was dealing with a lot of attention from all over, eyes on him. Like you know, I obviously we got what was promised to us uh, from Zoe. We got it from Mello, and we're seeing it this year. But Zoe you know, he, he has qualities that just because he's not that crazy, you know, has this very like flamboyant side to him that goes off like the way Mello is, you know, offensively doesn't mean he's not a good player. And that doesn't make him a bust. The qualities that he can bring, there are a lot of the other people that, that are not bringing those qualities and he can bring that to the bulls. And it would be very beneficial. Like you said, alongside Zach Levine, we'd like to see him throw some lobs over to, to the big man, you know, so like just seeing stuff like that. Yeah, most definitely. He would bring a lot to the table, but that, but I also said, you know, if you can keep Kobe White in the process, that would be great for the Bulls just because him, Kobe White being that spark coming off the bench. But yeah, not, not in the game. First man type of option. Yeah, that could help. I, I think Kobe White can pretty much, you know, fulfill his role comfortably as a backup point guard. Um, coming in for the, especially for the Bulls, where that second unit is already a little sketchy. You can help bring that boost to that second unit and provide the spark that he needs, and feel comfortable in actually playing his role of a scoring guard. So I think I think if you can find that and give him and give Kobe White that type of role while having a true point guard like Lonzo Ball, and even down the stretch, if you want to keep a three guard lineup with Lonzo Ball, Kobe White, and Zach Levine. That could be just as lethal too. Go down the stretch, you're talking about a lot of firepower from both off for offensive and defensive purposes. You know that could be a very good uh, three guard lineup down the stretch that can work, especially if you do small ball. So, 
it, it, I think there's more benefit if you can keep Kobe White on your bench and bring in Lonzo Ball as your point guard. But if you got to get rid of him too, then maybe you got maybe you should consider waiting until the the free agency period where he will be a restricted free agent, I believe. So, you know, you, it's just some things you just got you got to consider whether what's worth taking the risk and what isn't. And that's one of those situations where the Bulls can keep certain assets, but be willing and not, and not give up too much to get him. Then maybe you consider it. Otherwise, you just wait in free agency to see where it plays out because the free agency pool is going to dictate what his true market is. And quite frankly, if no one's willing to trade for him now, I can I can only imagine what the real point guard market is going to be for him this offseason. Totally agree with you on everything you just said. I think keeping Kobe White as that second option, having that additional depth to the team would be very beneficial for the Bulls. So going forward, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to unwind for the season, uh, hoping that the Bulls get, you know, finish strong the way they should and the way, you know, they deserve the way they've been, the way Zach Levine has been putting up his career highs and, and carrying the team, impacting the team. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So thank you for coming on today, Josh. It's been such a pleasure as usual talking to you and you having, you know, spitting some knowledge on us on the bulls and what's going to happen. So thank you so much. And don't forget to tune in guys to our next episode we may be having a part three so stay tuned the money make the world spin the money make the girls grin been right since 2010